that. Let's uh, take our Bibles in Acts chapter 7. We have spent some time uh, considering this sermon. We'll read again the conclusion that Stephen comes to at the end of this message in Acts chapter 7. As I mentioned, it is the longest sermon recorded in the book of Acts. Uh, it's not the sermon from Peter or from Paul, which dominate the book of Acts. It's the sermon from a deacon, Stephen, the first deacon of the church. And what a mighty preacher he was. Uh, not because there was any might in himself, but as we've read in chapter 6 and here at the conclusion of chapter 7, the Bible makes it clear that he was full of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, the power did not originate with him. It originated with God. Uh, and that is, by the way, the only thing that makes any of us great. It's not ourselves. It is God that indwells us. And in Acts chapter 7, he concludes in verse 51, after all the things that he has showed them, and at no point could they say, Stephen, you're wrong. You have misrepresented the history of Israel. You've misrepresented Moses and the temple or uh, Joseph or Abraham and the covenant that God made with Abraham. At no point could the men of the Sanhedrin council say, you're wrong. As a matter of fact, the only thing they could do at the end is speak nothing but stone him. That's all they could do. And in verse 51, he makes the conclusion, he says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, there it is again, looked steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I would like to bring your attention to verse 55. There's a statement that is made about Stephen. And what we find here, as Stephen makes the conclusion in this message, we have the response from the Sanhedrin to the message. And their response we would describe as evil and uh, childish. They react out of anger, out of spite. Uh, as children, they gnashed on him with their teeth. And there's a, the contrast for us with the verse, in verse, the first word of verse 55, but this is what we observe as the reaction of the Sanhedrin council. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost. I want to preach this evening on this expression, being full 
of the Holy Ghost. Again, the word but shows us a contrast between the way these men reacted to the speech of Stephen, and in contrast, Stephen is responding to the violence of the Sanhedrin. And those are really diametrically opposed. They're they're, they're completely different types of behavior. One behavior, we could say, is attributed to the flesh. The other behavior, however, is attributed to the Spirit of God. On one end, you find men who are completely agitated, perturbed, angry. And on the other hand, you have a man who is completely composed, but I would not call this self-composure. I would call this being under the control of the Holy Ghost. Now it is true as we look throughout society, there is a a misunderstanding as to who the Holy Ghost is, what He does, and how the Holy Ghost acts upon men. What, What is the result of someone being full of the Holy Ghost. What does that look like? Well, I think that as we look throughout the Bible, one of the first and greatest examples that we have in the Word of God is found in Stephen. Now, before we go and deal with Stephen, let me remind you, because I cut the message last week, all right, for your sakes. (laughs) And we dealt, first of all, with the conclusion of the sermon and the conduct of the Sanhedrin. And this morning, we're going to look specifically at the confidence of Stephen. But Let me remind us here of the context in which we find, because the the context, uh, context is most significant for a man who is completely under the full control of the Holy Ghost. And we look first of all at the conclusion. Now in this conclusion, if you remember, Stephen confronted their hearts. And he did so by showing them that their heart was obstinate to the message. They were both stubborn and uncircumcised in heart. That means that their heart was stubborn and their heart was self-deceived. Remember, they were uncircumcised in heart and ears. In other words, what Stephen was telling them, you may be a Jew by name, but in heart you are actually a heathen. And what we learn by that is doesn't ma- it doesn't matter the amount of times that you come to church. Someone can come to church and their hearts be far removed from God. And such were these men. They were boasting that they were the people of God, but they were not. They thought that because they had been circumcised in the flesh, that they were right with God. But Stephen tells them that they were not right with God because they were uncircumcised in heart And so the Jews were self-deceived. And so we see that he confronts their hearts by showing them that they were obstinate towards the message and also they were opposed to the Holy Ghost. As ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. So he confronts their hearts, but also he confronts their actions. As your fathers did, so also do ye. And he he has gone back throughout the sermon in Acts chapter 7. He has showed that the behavior that they are exhibiting now is the same behavior that their fathers exhibited in the past. And so he confronts their actions. They were the ones who had 
crucified Jesus Christ, although Jesus Christ was an innocent man, had done nothing wrong. They had done that. That was their actions, just as they had done to all of those who spoke of the just one before he came. And also, lastly, he confronts their hypocrisy. He says, you've received the law by the disposition of angels, but you have not kept it. Do you remember what they did to Stephen? They brought in false witnesses. Let, remind, let us remind ourselves of one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not bear false witness. They did the same against Christ. They brought in false witnesses and they killed an innocent man. They broke two of God's commandments and so he confronts their hypocrisy. And so we see here the conclusion of the sermon. He confronts their heart, he confronts their actions, and he confronts their hypocrisy. But then we have the conduct of the Sanhedrin. This is most revealing because the only way that they know how to respond, we read earlier in chapter 6 that uh, they could not resist the wisdom or the spirit by which Stephen spake. And so there's really nothing that they could say at this moment. And so they, they, they stopped their ears. They heard these things. They were cut to the heart. They gnashed on him with their teeth. They drive him out of the city. They stone him. They, uh, the Bible says in verse 57, they stopped their ears and ran towards him. He was still talking. And they just run and rush towards him. And so I look particularly at Stephen as we think about this expression. We, I want us to focus, and perhaps it is appropriate to have just a message on that, to focus on Stephen being full of the Holy Ghost. So we see not only see the conclusion of the sermon, the conduct of the Sanhedrin, but the confidence of Stephen is what we will consider in the end. Notice verse 55. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and... Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. We have a, a description of what the men of the Sanhedrin did in verse 57 and 58. Now I will deal with Saul later. I, uh, when we get to Acts chapter 9, we'll revisit this chapter. And we're looking at the conversion of Saul who would become Paul. We're going to go back and look at this verse, but... Uh, so I'll, I'll skip on that, but I'm not ignoring it. We'll revisit that. And then, as they stoned Stephen in verse 59, what was Stephen doing? The Bible says he was calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this into their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now when we look at Stephen here, we see a man, before we look at all the... Uh, the behavior that describes a confident Stephen, we ask ourselves, what brought this about? And there's one expression that we find is, he was full of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, the behavior that Stephen uh, demonstrated in, this, in, his last, in the last moments of his life are attributed to him being full of the Holy Ghost. This is not the only time that we find this said about Stephen. If we go back to Acts chapter 6, there's just a, a few, again, there's just two chapters dedicated about Stephen. And those are the two chapters in Acts chapter 6 and chapter 7. And uh, there are things that are repeated, however, about Stephen that uh, get our attention. Now, early on in chapter 6, um, because of some of the issues in the church, they appointed deacons. And notice what is said in verse 3 of chapter 6. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report. And when they looked at the men in the church, this is what they were looking for. 
full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. And so when the church gathered together, uh, they said, now you have to look among you, and what you're going to look is these are the traits you're going to look for. You're going to look for uh, a man who is full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. And evidently they found Stephen in verse 5, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. Now notice what he said about Stephen. A man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And so uh, what is said about Stephen, the first thing we read about Stephen is that he was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. We read later, what does that mean in verse 8? The Bible says, and Stephen, full of faith and power. Now notice here, he is full of something. But what precedes that fullness is the fact that he was full of the Holy Ghost. Therefore, the fullness of faith and power, the fullness of power comes from the filling of the Holy Ghost. We go down, notice, to verse 10. And they were not able, as there was disputings with Stephen in verse 9, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And then we go down to verse 15. So they bring in false accusers because they couldn't resist what he was saying. So they bring in false accusers in verse 15. And the Bible says, And all that sat in the council, the Sanhedrin council, looking steadfastly on him. And this is what they saw in Stephen. They saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Now, I mentioned here the face of an angel. What does that look like? Well, I don't know what that looks like, but I can tell you this. There was no halo over his head. They looked into his face. What happens throughout the record when an angel appears to a man? Who is troubled? The person receiving the message. The angel is never troubled. The point when an angel comes and an angel speaks, the point that is always made is the person who has this encounter is always troubled, but the angel, however, is never troubled. He is undisturbed. He just brings the message and he has the confidence of God in him. And so is Stephen. They expected Stephen to be disturbed when they brought in the false accusers to, to cause something within him. And I think that in the flesh, every one of us would kind of have to shout, Injustice! This is not fair! They're bringing false accusers! I've done none of those things. But that's not what Stephen does. He is undisturbed. Why? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 6, he was full of the Holy Ghost. We read by the end of chapter 7, he is still full of the Holy Ghost. You know, there is this misunderstanding today as people think about the filling of the Holy Ghost and they attribute the filling of the Holy Ghost as coming to a church service and somehow being overtaken by some emotion and then they begin to babble. They begin to run around. They begin to shout uncontrollably or roll around the ground. And some people attribute that to the filling of the Holy Ghost. And I say to us, in the pattern of the Word of God, the filling of the Holy Ghost in the life of Stephen is not a one-time event of a church service but is the constant of his life. He was always full of the Holy Ghost, wherever he was, whatever he was doing. That's what we read about Stephen. He was full of the Holy Ghost. So it does not represent a man who is out of control, quite the opposite. It represents a man, notice, who was quiet and under control. At the end of verse, when they brought in the false accusers, Stephen said nothing. But they looked at him and he was undisturbed. And then he's going to preach. 
A great sermon that we've spent time studying. But I wanna, what I want to do this morning is this. Give us a brief study, and I intend to keep that word brief. I hope I do. But I would like to make four observations. Four observational statements concerning Stephen being full of the Holy Ghost. And I want to ask ourselves this question as we look at Stephen, the life of Stephen. Can those things be said about us? And if they are not, then we must strive for those things to be said about us. Notice the first observation I make, and I'm going to limit myself to our text. Notice in Acts chapter 7, what we read first of all, in verse 55, is he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now, Everything that we're going to notice from this passage is preceded by God telling us that before those things are observed, those things are observed in His life because He was filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, the filling of the Holy Ghost is not something that was observed. We observe the result of being filled with the Holy Ghost. But what God says is, I want you to know what you observe in the life of Stephen is because of something that was true in his life. And it is so in the Christian life. Often what we like to focus on is all of the externals. We want to clean up the outside, but often inside uh, we are far removed from God. We live and like to go in a pretense. And what the Bible says is this was true about Stephen, not only in the actions that are demonstrated in his life, but it's true because of what was in him. He was a man full of the Holy Ghost. And so what we observe for the remainder of this chapter is the effect the result of Stephen being full of the Holy Ghost. And so, the first thing we notice is he, he looked. He looked steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Here's the first observation. If you want to write it down, I would encourage you to. Being full of the Holy Ghost... He was enthralled with the God who was greater than his circumstances. Being full of the Holy Ghost, Stephen was enthralled with the God who was greater than his circumstances. Now often, we, if we're not careful, we may compartmentalize this. Uh, what is happening here. Say, oh look, Stephen is looking up to heaven and he sees the glory of God and he sees Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. Look at that great uh, scene that we find in Stephen. But I want to remind ourselves of the circumstances. As this is taking place, he is being charged at by a crowd, by a group of men of the Sanhedrin who are very angry at him who are gnashing on him with their teeth. They are stopping their ears. Uh, they uh, are crying out with a loud voice. This is a mob mentality. And in the midst of this chaotic scene, here is Stephen looking up to heaven, seeing the glory of God and Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. And that's what he sees. And I say, how can he see that in the midst of all this chaos, in the midst of this crowd, in the midst of all this crying, in the midst of all this gnashing of teeth, in the midst of a crowd pressing against him and driving him out of the city? I say to us, they grabbed a hold of him, and as they did that, he was looking up to heaven. 
can a man do that? How is, even, how is it even possible for Stephen to, to look at the God of heaven and His glory and Jesus Christ on the right hand as he's being mobbed? I'll tell you why. Because he was full of the Holy Ghost. There is something that happens in the life of someone who is filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I will grant it to you that I'm not saying that if you're filled with the Holy Ghost and then a, a, a mob comes upon you, that all of a sudden you're going to see heaven open and the glory of God and Jesus Christ are the right. I'm not saying that's going to happen. What I am saying is that if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to be enthralled with God over your circumstances. That's what's going to happen. Now, we read here, he saw the glory of God. Now, we know the Bible says, no man hath seen God at any time. The Bible doesn't say that he saw God. The Bible says he saw the glory of God. The glory of God would be a, a very bright shining in the Old Testament. You see not only that as fire, which represents the glory of God. You see that as smoke in the tabernacle, representing the glory of God. As the smoke filled the tabernacle, that was the manifestation of the glory of God. And so often it is seen as a bright, a bright light that comes when, uh, 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 when Moses saw the glory of God. The, the backside, if you would, the, the end, that was just a, a, the brightness. He didn't see God. No man has seen God at any time. God is a Spirit. But the brightness represents the glory of God, and so he sees the brightness, but he does see someone whom he recognizes, and that is Jesus Christ, and that he does see Jesus Christ. And he sees Jesus Christ, the Bible says, standing on the right hand of God. Now, notice he is not sitting, he's standing. It's as if Jesus Christ has been moved to stand up. And he wants Stephen to know about it. He is standing at the right hand of God, ready to move. Now we would say, oh, he's about to do something, then if he's standing. And we might think that that would be deliverance. But we know that it ended up not being deliverance. Stephen would die. Just moments after he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, he was about to die. And yet, he's looking steadfastly. That word steadfastly, he had, a, he had a focus, an unwavering focus on the glory of God and on Jesus Christ. I wonder when we go through circumstances, what are we looking at? And I say to us that what we are looking at when we go through difficult circumstances is a revealing of whether we are or are not full of the Holy Ghost. If we begin to be focused on our circumstances and say, well, look at what is happening to me. Stephen did not do that. He didn't say, oh God, look at all this happening to me. Look at what they're doing. God, I've preached your word. I've done the best I could in an accurate way to represent you, to represent Jesus Christ, to represent the temple and the glory of God. And look at what is happening to me. I've sought to live a life blameless before God. I was elected as a deacon because I was of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost and people knew that he doesn't say any of that he does not deem the suffering for the cause of Christ as distraction to him to see the glory of God and so being full of the Holy Ghost he was enthralled with God who was greater than his circumstances but the second observation I make is this 
being full of the Holy Ghost. Secondly, he expressed a greater interest in how God had revealed himself than how men were treating him. Let me say that again. Being full of the Holy Ghost, he expressed a greater interest in how God was revealed, reveal, how God revealed himself than how men were treating him. Notice, we, we, the Bible tells us what he saw being full of the Holy Ghost, but then the Bible tells us what he said being full of the Holy Ghost. Verse 11. Uh, excuse me. Notice verse 56. And said, Behold, I see heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And we're like, well, you just told us that. Luke just told us that. Luke who's writing Acts under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. He just told us that when Stephen was being uh, mobbed, he saw the glory of God and Jesus Christ standing at his right hand. But Luke says, but he not just saw something, then the Bible says that Stephen said what he saw. That's most interesting to me. Because I think that sometimes we know that uh, God speaks to our hearts and sometimes God reveals Himself to us and we are grateful for that. But often we do not necessarily express our greater interest in how God has revealed Himself than how men are treating us. Now notice, this is what he saw. But Stephen then goes on to say what he saw as the people are thronging him. Now, I believe, personally, that nobody else saw what Stephen saw. That's what I believe. And so, Stephen made everybody aware of what he saw. Now, I want us to think about that for our lives. As Christians, we understand that God reveals Himself to us, and He deals with us, and He speaks to us, and He convicts us, and He, he brings us along and molds us and shapes us into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God teaches us some things, but often I think we fail uh, not only to, uh, to, uh, to, to have those things communicated in our lives, but often we fail in expressing a greater interest in how God has revealed Himself to us than how men are treating us. In other words, the example here is Stephen says, he doesn't say, look at these mad people around here. They're crazy. They're like children. This is, this is crazy what they're doing. No, he saw the glory of God, Jesus standing, and then he says, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. That's what I see. It's as if Stephen could see nothing else. You know, we sing the song, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. We sing the song, Higher Ground. What is that song about? It's about rising above our earthly life and focusing on God and walking on a higher ground than down in this earth. Not to focus on our circumstances, not to focus on men who revile us and abuse us, but to focus on God and to speak of that in the hour of trial. You see, often we say, well, this is what God has done for me, but then we never express it. 
But Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, expresses what he saw. There's another thing we find. We know here that, verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice, so they're loud. Do you see that? This is boisterous scene. It's loud. It's commodious. Commodious? Is it? Tumultuous. That's the word. And they stop their ears. So, they hear Stephen say, now obviously, behold the heavens open. They don't want to hear it. They ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city, stoned him, and witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. So, you see that they're organizing themselves in this revolt. I mean, they're getting ready. They're taking their jackets off. They're going to give... 100% of their energy in killing that man by stoning him. They're making preparation. And there's Stephen standing in the midst. And we have another scene about Stephen. Verse 59. And they stoned Stephen. But then the Bible gives us a glimpse into what was going on with Stephen. As they were stoning him, the Bible says, And they stoned Stephen calling upon God. That was not the Sanhedrin calling upon God. That was Stephen calling upon God. How do we know that? Because of the rest of the verse. Stephen calling upon God and saying, Jesus, receive my spirit. Well, who was that? That was not the Sanhedrin saying, receive my spirit. It was Stephen. So as he was being stoned, you see what happened? Stephen is calling upon God and saying, receive my spirit. Here's the next statement I have. Being full of the Holy Ghost, he exhibited... The likeness of Jesus Christ. Now, notice, he is calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, "Uh, Lord, what did he say? Lay not this sin to their charge. Well, I've heard this before. Haven't you? Isn't that what happened on the cross? Isn't that what Jesus said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As men were uh, crucifying Him and piercing His side and mocking Him, He says, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And here, Stephen, who is full of the Holy Ghost, he exhibited the likeness of Jesus Christ. And I say to us, if we are going to, if we are truly filled with the Holy Ghost, we will exhibit the likeness of Jesus Christ. That is the product of the Holy Ghost. Now, if we do not exhibit the likeness of Jesus Christ, and I say to us that we are not filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, it seems to me that being filled with the Holy Ghost is not this boisterousness that we find out communicated in the world. It's a measured, under control look of faith and a behavior that exhibits the likeness of Jesus Christ. There's one more thing we find. And that is being full of the Holy Ghost... He exemplified a surrender to God's divine will. He exemplified a surrender to God's divine will. Notice verse 59 again in 60. While Stephen was being stoned, this is what Stephen said. This is what he said. Receive my spirit. I I am... In my flesh, I want to say to Stephen, after preaching this great message, we could use you, Stephen. Right? Uh, Don't you feel that way after reading what he preached? And I would say, Stephen, you should pray for God to deliver you. 
That's what I want to say. Right? I think that's what we all want to say as we've looked at just Stephen in Acts chapter 6 and 7. We'd say, come on. But he said, receive my spirit. And then he does an act in verse 16. He says, the Bible says, and he kneeled down. Now, I don't know the details of what happened. I can't draw a picture and show you what happened. But what we do know is when the crowd drove Stephen, there would be a place, often it would be in a pit coming down, and there would be a a bunch of stones where the Jews would regularly stone people. Uh, They would stone a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. They would stone uh, different people under Jewish law. They still practiced that during the time of Jesus Christ, during the time of the first century apostles. And so they throw uh, Stephen in the shallow, if you would, uh, bowl or pit, and they're about to throng around him, and so they're all, they would all circle around this pit. And these were not like, if you would, like pebbles you find in a, in, a, um, in a river where you try to, you know, skip it. These were rocks. They would have to grab two hands, and they would come over, over this place, the shallow uh, end where he was, and then they would throw those big rocks at Stephen. So when they throw Stephen in here, I would imagine that he probably fell because they thronged him, they pushed him, they drove him out. And so he's, he's getting up off the ground and, and he doesn't get up. The Bible says he kneels. You know what that means? He, he, the people are they're mad, they're around him, and this is what he does. And he says, lay not this sin to their charge. And they stone him, and the Bible says he fell asleep. I don't know what time he fell asleep. But what does that communicate about Stephen? It communicates this, that he was completely surrendered to God's divine will. He said, receive my spirit, and he kneeled down. He basically was saying, God, this is what you have for me. Take me. I'm ready. Who can say that? I can tell you who can say that. A man full of the Holy Ghost. So as we examine our own lives, we see that Stephen being full of the Holy Ghost was enthralled with God, who is greater than his circumstances. Being full of the Holy Ghost, he expressed the greater interest in how God had revealed himself and how men were treating him. Number three, being full of the Holy Ghost, he exhibited the likeness of Jesus Christ. And lastly, being full of the Holy Ghost, he exemplified a surrender to God's divine will. Now, you know what's going to happen? I I believe that this scene would produce, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest missionary that ever walked the face of this earth. There was another man that was there that was Saul. Saul would come to a saving knowledge of Christ, he would have his own encounter with Christ. But I say to us, as we look at Stephen, we, we disconnect ourselves here from the scene of him preaching and bringing about the conclusion. I'm interested in the man who was elected as the deacon because he was full of the Holy Ghost. Because he was full of faith. He was full of power. 
He was full of wisdom. That's what Roman, uh, Acts 6 tells us. And now we see this last scene. He's still filled with the Holy Ghost. And those are the things that are said about his life. And I wonder, can those things be said about our lives? And I would say to us that if they are not, then we need to examine ourselves. And Lord, I, forgive me. That I have not yielded myself to God's control, but I've yielded myself to the whims and the desires and the passions of the flesh. Now, it is possible for us to do that. The flesh overtakes, takes control, and then we want our own way. When we go back to Acts earlier, remember when the persecution arose against Peter and they said, you cannot teach and preach in the name of Jesus Christ anymore. After they were let go from the prison, they went back to the church Remember what the people in the church, when the place was filled with the Holy Ghost, the place was filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember what the people asked? They did not ask for the persecution to cease. Remember what they said? Grant unto thy servants that they may speak with all boldness. That's what they asked for. You see, those who are filled with the Holy Ghost speak in a different way than the man does when he is controlled by the flesh. He acts differently. He speaks differently. His behavior is different. Why? Because he is under the complete control of the Holy Ghost. What is it that we need as a church, firstly, if we are going to be more effective in this world? Well, it's very simple. My answer is very simple. We have to be, all of us, full of the Holy Ghost. Not that we get more of God. The fullness of the Holy Ghost means that He needs to have all of us. God, let me not to keep anything back from you, my desires, my passion, my comfort, but let me live for your glory and may your Spirit guide me into my behavior and my thoughts and my speech and that those things may be exhibited in those who look upon me. And when they come and ask and say, well, why do you live the way that you do? And why do you speak the way that you speak? Well, there's only one answer to that. Because God's in charge of my life. And I want Him to be. And that's not a miserable existence. I would venture to say, I, I don't know for certain. But there are a few things that we find in the Bible where you think, I wish I could experience what they experienced. One of those would be Stephen here. Do you think that experience of seeing the glory of God and then as the Bible says, falling asleep in the midst of that. And then being in the very next moment in the presence of God. What a way to go. I, think, I could think even of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Thrown in the fire. And then there was a fourth man walking as it was the Son of God. I think we always say, I would like to have that experience of walking with the Son of God, of seeing the glory of God. But when does that happen? That's the question we have to ask. Did that happen in comfort and in ease? And when everything went well? Or did it happen in probably the worst time that these men ever faced? There's something that got a hold of them, there's something that they experienced, but that experience was only true in suffering. And so may the Lord help us to be full 
of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray.